1: To the Battery Power Podcast Network. Uh, my name is Chris Willis, and I'm again joined by my good friend Stephen Talbert. Stephen, how are you doing tonight? What's up, Chris? It's been a it's been a fun couple of days. Tonight's game, notwithstanding,
2: it's been exciting times. A lot of stuff happening, obviously, with the trade deadline, the Riley extension. Um, there's quite a bit to talk about, and it's good to be good to be back on with
1: you. Yeah, we're uh, recording minutes after the Braves dropped uh, the series opener to the Mets tonight, 6-4. to four. Um, You know, uh, fell behind early, couldn't get out of it, out of that hole. But, uh, you know, Ronald Acuna, Homer, uh, Edwin Diaz had to record a six-out save, so maybe that'll have ramifications later in the series. But, uh, you know, we're here tonight, tonight to talk about the trade deadline just passed. Uh, the Braves were pretty active. Um, I think there's a lot of things to talk about. That sound good to you? Let's do it. All right. Uh, I think the biggest thing, uh, the most surprising move actually was, uh, it came at the very last minute, uh, Russell, uh, uh, Iglesias from the angels raised acquired him for Jesse Chavez and Tucker Davidson, man, this, this was, um, it was an interesting, uh, thing we're sitting in the, uh, uh, press conference waiting to announce the Austin Riley extension. And, uh, Alex is actually out in the hall on, on the phone. And, um, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, Riley's teammates were in the back row, including Jesse Chavez, and and they actually came in, tapped him on the shoulder, and took him out as this trade was being uh, completed. So uh, it's pretty come out of nowhere. Uh, I thought, you know, I think we thought that they might be looking for a power right-handed arm uh you know, to f the slide in there, but I think Iglesias surprised some people. Uh the if he's got a four point oh four ERA. It's a little ugly. The FIP's good, uh thirty two point nine percent strikeout percentage. Uh I think the big thing with uh Iglesias is though he's under contract through twenty twenty five and so he's gonna be paid sixteen million per season uh for the next three years after this one. What'd you what do you think about the uh, addition of Iglesias?
2: Yeah, that was I mean, obviously because of what happened last year with getting Solaire and I think Richard Rodriguez right at the buzzer last year at the deadline. I think everybody was still pretty keyed in on, you know, Twitter to see if if Alex was gonna do another one of these right at the buzzer deals. And sure enough, you know, we got the announcement basically just after six PM Eastern that they had traded. Uh, they had made this trade with the Angels for Iglesias, and you know, the way my brain works is I, I always think of the the risk first. I don't know why that is. Uh, it's not necessarily something I recommend. But so the first thing I thought of was, you know, how much money he's owed. Um, you know, I'm not a huge fan of paying relievers big money over a lot of years you know i didn't really like the will smith contract when it happened you know and i know at our slack group we were having a long conversation about you know the risk reward of of doing this kind of deal um but the bottom line is for this year is he helps the bullpen and you know we saw last year if you can hit home runs and if you can pitch out of the bullpen you can dominate in october and that's the formula they used last year. And I think with Kirby Yates coming back and and they saw an opportunity to get a and they saw an opportunity to get him for not very much if they just took the whole contract. then I think that's probably was probably part of Alex's calculus was, you know, the, the playoffs are all about bullpen. And, you know, even if the Braves don't win the division and the Mets are a really good team, they're a tough team. And I don't know if the Braves are going to win the division, but even if they don't, they're, they're almost certainly going to be in the playoffs. I mean, they've they've got a rather large lead um, in the wild card race. So one way or another, it's very, very, very likely that this team will be back playing in October. And when that's the case, you want a great bullpen. And it doesn't look like the Braves are going to move Strider back to the bullpen. I know we had talked about that as a possibility just to kind of limit his innings. But Alex was asked about it after the trade deadline and once again kind of reiterated the fact that They don't believe in innings limit. They don't believe in shutting guys down that they're just going to let him pitch as long as he feels like he can pitch. And so with that being the case, I think they definitely wanted another right-handed power arm in the bullpen. And, you know, that's what Iglesias is. I mean, he is a fantastic pitcher. I don't really care about ERA as much as a lot of other people do. Anybody who's listened to the show before knows that, but he's a really good pitcher and he's been a really good pitcher for a while now. And. You know the Braves can now shorten a game. I mean, you know, you talk about Jansen and Iglesias and Mentor, and you know, if Kirby Yates comes back, and you know, at one point Kirby Yates was a uh, elite bullpen arm himself. So if he can come back and be that guy, and you have know, guys like Dylan Lee and Tyler Matzick, and you know, Colin McHugh, I mean, the Braves have a really, really good bullpen again. They hit homers, and, and they have a good bullpen, and that was the formula that won. The World Series for him last year, and I'm not surprised at all to see Alex going back to the well this year.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they use him. Um, Obviously, he could fill in for Jansen if he was down that day. He's He's been a closer pretty much his whole career. Um, but, you know, I, I, dating back to last season, right after they re, uh, acquired R- Richard Rodriguez, you know, often we'd see him come in in the fifth or sixth inning even, uh, you know, uh, in a tight spot or whatever. So I think this gives them that flexibility. Iglesias said he was willing to do whatever they needed him to do, and that, and that's exactly what they – you know, I know what that's exactly what the Braves were hoping for. So um, I think it's going to be interesting to see how he's used. Uh, he, you know, if, if Jansen's on a one-year deal, Glacius could slide into that closer spot next year if jansen doesn't return i wouldn't completely uh rule out a return for jansen if he wants to come back uh because i think uh you know i don't i'm not a big fan of paying relievers either but if payroll's going up um you basically got a Glacius for nothing a- a except money you know it, it cost uh it costs money so uh you know the braves have shown they've been willing to pay for a, a bullpen in the past so i think this is just more of that and um uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see how it plays out, but like I said, on paper, man, it, it gives them a lot of flexibility, uh, for, especially in the back half of that bullpen. Um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit, Asked you something about, you know, AJ Minner's had a few hiccups here lately, 15 hits, seven runs and, and nine and a third innings in July. Um, but he's, he's carrying a 3.33 fit and a 3.37 x fit i think the thing that jumped out at me was he's second in the majors now in appearances at 47 i wonder if he's if he's uh wearing down a little bit or if this is just a blip on the radar but have you seen anything from menner that um kind of makes you it concerns you or anything
2: no not really i mean you know you always look for the kind of the telltale signs is the is you know how's the velocity look how's the movement look stuff like that and all of those are pretty much at their normal levels, and so you know, my guess is you can just chalk it up to this is what happens to relievers. You know, very rarely do you go through an entire season where you're just awesome every time you're gonna you're gonna have a bad outing and usually bad outings come in pairs. you know, usually it's kind of a bad stretch for a guy and then he kind of figures it out again and I'm guessing that's what AJ's going through. and you know he's not gonna have to pitch you know, the eighth or the ninth inning every single time the Braves have a lead now. You know, that's kind of what he had to do for a while. And, you know, with Will Smith having a down year and and Tyler Matznik having a down year and Luke Jackson being hurt, you know, AJ became, you know, the, kind of the only member of the night shift very quickly and, and really had to carry out a lot of the burden. And I think that was another reason they got Iglesias is, you know, they don't want AJ to feel like he's got to carry it, and, you know, especially when Jansen had the hard stuff going on and was on the IL, you know, it was a lot of AJ and So, you know, they wanted to get some more depth and I'm not worried about AJ, you know, this happens over 162 games. You're not going to be awesome all the time. Like you said, the peripherals are still good over the stretch. The velocity still good. You know, it's been a couple of bad locations, you know, that game in Philly just threw, you know, he probably if he could take it back, he wouldn't throw that cutter three two to, to start. He would probably throw a fastball. You know, I think he probably sped his bat up a little bit and he got caught for a homer. But I'm not really that worried about AJ. And you know, the, the depth that the Braves added to the bullpen and, and we'll add when Yates gets back is only gonna help him stay fresh. So yeah, I think the bullpen's gonna be a strength.
1: Yeah, that's, I think that's an important, uh, good point too. And, I, and, uh, the added depth there is just going to help him. Uh, I do think he might be wore down just a little bit just because they had to rely on him so much, yeah. you know, and they're, they won't want to, they don't want to burn him out before the postseason. So, uh, you know, getting, getting the in there. And, um, uh, I think that's really going to help him. And then, uh, of course, Kirby Yates uh, recently made a back to back appearance at Eggwinette, you know, in his rehab stint. So, I don't know about you, but I think he's coming soon. Um, I don't know if they wait till they come back home or if they wait that long. Uh, you know, you and I talked a few, a week or so ago about this. Uh, you know, the bullpen's a, it's an interesting situation. I wonder, I'm I'm thinking who is the, who's going to be the odd man out when Kirby Yates does come back?
2: Yeah, that's the big question right now. You know, we all kind of thought it would be Will Smith. You know, everybody's just kind of assumed that he would catch maybe an IL stint, or maybe even get DFA'd, but. You know, Alex obviously preempted that by trading him away at the deadline. So that's not an option anymore. I still think somebody could catch an IL stint. I think maybe Tyler Matzik or Jackson Stevens or, you know, I think they might try to keep everybody if possible. I mean, obviously they could option Dylan Lee if they wanted to. I don't know if they want to do that, though. But I don't see them just outright DFAing somebody. You know, they would they would have to DFA Stevens. I, I don't. Alex is always kind of the keep as many options as open as possible guy. And if he can, if, if somebody's got a little nagging injury that he can kind of turn into a, you know, a 15 day IL trip. And then, you know, when that 15 days is up, maybe try to do another one somewhere else to just try to rotate these guys out. I think that's what they'll try to do. You know, you never know what's going on with a bullpen. There might be a guy who actually needs, you know, an IL trip this time of year, you know, a lot of guys you're pitching with something. So but you know that's really—I mean, it's 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 that or option Dylan Lee. The funny thing is, as much as we talk about it, there's really not that many options now. You know, you can you can DFA somebody or you can option Lee, and so um, or yeah, so I I think somebody's going to catch an IL stint, and I do think Yates will be back pretty quick. He he pitched back to back nights in Gwinnett, which was a big you know barrier to cross, and I think if the Braves were at home. Right now, I think he might have been up today or tomorrow because they're on the road. I could see them maybe pushing it back a little bit, maybe after this med series. But I think he'll be up very, very soon. I think we're going to get this answer pretty quick.
1: Yeah, I, I'm I'm starting to lean towards it might be Dylan Lee, and that that kind of stinks because he's pitched real well. But at this point, I think they want to keep all their options open. Uh, you never know what's going to happen over uh, over August, and um, you know, and then the rosters expand by two again in September. Uh, unless there is a somebody that needs to go on the uh, on the IL. so that's something that's going to be to watch over next couple of uh, probably over this next week because I think uh, I think Yates is is nearing a return. You know, you mentioned Will Smith. Um, uh, the Braves were able to trade him for. For to Houston for Jake Odorizzi, I'll be honest with you, I was blown away by this trade when I saw that there wasn't a prospect involved or anything in there, just for the simple fact that uh, there's there was a good chance that Will Smith might have been dropped from the roster by the end of the week, um, (laughs) you know, or when whenever Yates came back. I don't think uh, I don't think Odorizzi might have had the greatest uh, situation in Houston. I think there was some friction there, you know, and Will Smith obviously we we've discussed his his troubles before. But what did you uh, what did you think about the acquisition of, of uh Rizzi? Uh the timing's pretty it's pretty good. We knew they kind of needed a another arm just because of the double header a couple of doubleheaders that they've got coming up.
2: That trade when it came across, that is that was one of the wild that was one of the weirdest trades I've seen in a long time, honestly. I mean, when do you ever see a division leader like Houston trade away starting pitching at the deadline? I mean, that never ever happens. You you almost never see two contending teams make trades with each other at the deadline for major league players. That was it was so weird. And I think you're right. I think there was probably something going going on behind the scenes with Odorizzi in Houston. I don't think he was having the greatest of time. They did have a ton of depth. You know, they had they were about to get McCullers back. So they were gonna have like seven seven or eight starting pitchers. And I think they wanted to add some left-handed bullpen depth to their bullpen. But, I mean, let's be honest. Is 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 Will Smith really bullpen depth at this point? I mean, I, and if he did want to trade away a starter, I have a hard time believing there wasn't a, another contender that maybe had a better left-hander in their bullpen that they would have made that trade with. I, it was a very weird trade. Like, I it almost would have made more sense to me if it had been like Matzik, you know, if they were kind of like betting on Tyler Matzik, kind of bouncing back in Houston you know, saying, you know, we'll give you a starter and, and the Braves kind of using Max's value from last year to, to, to gain a starter. That would have almost made more sense to me, but Will Smith, that was wild. I did not see that coming. I, I'm, I'm I'm glad Alex took advantage if there was friction in, you know, in Houston's locker room. You know, I think they got the better end of the trade. I don't, you know, Odorizzi's having a pretty normal year for him, which is solid. He's not anything elite, but you know, he's got a mid three ERA. He's you know, he's just kind of a solid major league pitcher. And Will Smith was not even that at this point in his career. I mean he was he was basically being put in the lowest leverage innings possible, seven to one, eight to one games in the ninth inning and still having to be removed before the game was over. I mean, that's kind of where it got. I do think he was going to get DFA'd, which makes this trade even weirder because I think if Houston had just waited a couple hours, they could have picked him up for free. But who knows? You know, who knows what's going on behind the scenes. But I love the trade. The Braves needed another starter. They needed somebody to help them get through these two doubleheaders back-to-back weekends coming up. So it was a no-brainer for the Braves. I don't know what Houston was doing, but I'll take it.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he does with Houston. I know he gave up a homer in his first appearance, uh, which is kind of what we had saw from him, uh, you know, pretty much for the last month or so, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see if, if they, there's something there that they think they can, they can unlock again. They've had success with reclamation projects before, but you know, the way I was looking at it with Oda Rizzi was just, you know, you get a guy that can start, he's pitched out of the bullpen before, but I mean, if he just gets them through these two double headers, you know, that's, and, and then you never hear from him again. I mean, that's about all you can ask for right there. And I think he'll, I don't think that'll happen. I think he'll be around, uh, you know, through the uh, th- for much longer than that. But, you know, really, if you're the Braves, yeah, that's that's a great, that's a great deal. And I'm still, I'm still amazed that they were able to, to flip Will Smith into something useful. So the
2: irony of it was, I mean, how many times over the last few weeks have we had to tell people on Twitter, like, you can't trade away your worst pieces and get something valuable back? You know, that's not how trades work. And then I'll be damned if Alex doesn't go and trade one of their worst pieces for something valuable. It's like, it's like he saw us telling all these people, like, you actually have to include something of value to, to get something back of value. And, and Alex was like, well, watch this. And, you know, I do think Houston is banking on Will Smith's playoff performance history. You know, he's been very good in the postseason, and Houston is a lot to be in the postseason this year. So I think Houston is playing for October and, and thinking Will Smith will kind of turn back into last year's Will Smith when the playoffs start. But, yeah, this was a no-brainer
1: for Alex. It is going to be interesting to see how they uh, uh, handle Oda Rizzi uh, just because I think they'll stick with kind of a six-man rotation at least through uh, next Saturday because they've got another doubleheader in Miami at that point. And then after that, you know, it'll be kind of be interesting to see how they handle it. Spencer Strider threw a a magnificent start uh, against the Phillies uh, the other night. uh, I think it was Tuesday. And was asked about those innings limits and uh had a pretty hilarious answer. Uh, you know, just talking about he was he was uh he was happy that so many people were concerned about his well being. But he, you know, he says he feels fine. And I think the Braves are, are monitoring him. You know, like you said, I don't – there may not be – there may be an internal number, um, but I think really it's very much a, a start to start. And if they think he needs an extra day, then, you know, they'll either give him an extra day, he might get skipped in the rotation. And Odorizzi's presence allows him to do that, you know. But, I mean, Strider's pitching as well as he has all season. He set a career-high in strikeout Southern night. He's just been impressive. You know, I speculated more than once about moving him back to the bullpen. But, you know, right now, I mean, he looks like one of the best – Options in this rotation.
2: Well, and you got to remember, you know, there's been some pretty high profile cases of starters who who were given innings limits. You know, Strasburg is the one that comes to mind, and and still got hurt, right? Still had to have major surgery. And I remember when Jabba Chamberlain came up with the Yankees, they had all these rules about how they could use him and when they could use him. And he, you know, he still got hurt. You know, I think the Braves are just kind of if you feel good. If you've got the bullets and you feel like you can throw, then we're going to let you throw. And you know, what happens happens. And I don't necessarily disagree with that. I think that's probably the way to go.
1: Yeah. And, um, the other piece of this is of course Ian anderson who uh who looked like you know he's hanging on to his rotation spot by a thread you know and going into that last start and then went out there and was pretty aggressive and, and pitched pretty well now he's going he's penciled in to start uh Friday's game against the Mets uh that'll be interesting to see how he handles much a uh, bigger step up in uh competition but um I, I thought we saw a lot more aggression from Ian Anderson the last time last time I would used that curveball a little bit more change up was way more effective than it has been. And I think that's because you saw a lot of one, one, two counts, Oh, two counts. And, um, Instead of the two one three one that we've you know grown accustomed to over the last month, um, but Odorizzi gives them some protection for there. If Anderson continues to struggle, you know you could slot Odorizzi in as as that fifth spot and and send Ian down to the, uh, get get straightened out or or you know something like that. But what do you think of Ian's last start? Uh, did you see enough progress there to at least be intrigued? I mean, the thing for me is Anderson's mm-hmm. done it before. We've seen him be successful at this uh, at this level. We've seen him pitch in. Uh, you know high pressure situations in the postseason we know it's there I mean but again it all I think it all comes back to throwing strikes and that command yeah that's you know
2: I've I've expressed some concerns about Ian before for sure Um, specifically just because of the the stuff that he has that you know doesn't always look like the greatest stuff but you know credit to him he bounced back against Arizona you know obviously Arizona's not a great team by any stretch, and they had just traded away David Peralta, so I think they had kind of waved the white flag a little bit. But, you know, uh, it's still a major league team. you still got to go out and compete, and, and he did that. And I think, you know, I think part of the calculus for getting Odorizzi was definitely, you know, if Ian continues to struggle, you might be able to send him down for a couple of starts and, and let Odorizzi kind of take over. But, you know, I, I do – You know, I believe Snitcher when he says that, you know, he trusts Ian, that he's going to let Ian pitch through it as long as Alex will let him. And Ian's made some big, big starts for this franchise in a very short amount of time. You know, we kind of forget how young he is just because he's already pitched in, you know, a couple of NLCS's and a couple of Worlds or and, you know, last year's World Series. So, you know, he's still pretty young. He's still pretty accomplished for his age and even though this year has not gone the way he wanted it to, I, I do think they'll let him at least try to pitch his way out of it. Obviously his last start was a good step in that direction and I do think Odorizzi is probably a little bit of, you know, it's probably a little bit of a safety net for him if they do feel like they need to send him down. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'm to the point now where, you know, if they were going to make a change for, you know, somebody in AAA, they would have already done it. I think it's to the point now where You know, they're going to let him they're going to let him kind of sink or swim at the major league level at this point, because honestly, I mean, you know, until they got older Rizzi, they didn't really have a better option. I mean, I know some people wanted guys in AAA to to come up and pitch, but I was never a huge fan of that idea just because I, you know, I think I, I think I'm stealing this line from you. But, you know, I've seen Ian Anderson be successful at the major league level before. Pretty consistently. I've never seen those guys do that. So I, I think Ian, even with his struggles, it was probably always the choice to, to stay in the rotation versus those, you know, less experienced guys.
0: Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on surprise, the future of work Um I think one of the
1: biggest uh, places that a lot of people thought the Braves might make a, a splash move was uh, actually in the outfield. You know, we've talked about Eddie Rosario's struggles of late and the Braves did go out and get an outfielder in and Robbie Grossman from Detroit um gave a gave up a pretty low-level prospect. Um is that uh, wasn't much uh going out to get Grossman. He's having a overall his season's been poor uh but i think the thing that jumped out at him was he's hit left handers really good really well he's 364 479 519 with a 189 weighted runs created plus against left handed pitching uh it's not a small it's not a it's not a large sample but i think he's hit lefties uh, pretty well in his career um what do you think about uh bringing grossman in to kind of fill that um fill that spot against a left handed pitcher
2: yep we we knew that a right-handed or at least a switch hitting outfielder that could hit left-handers was going to be you know if not the top of the list near the top of the list for the trade deadline we you know we knew that obviously with the ball being out they didn't want eddie having to face every single left-hander that came down so somebody that could hit lefties was going to be on the docket and grossman you know he's had a probably a pretty bad year for his standards but even in a bad year, he still crushes lefties, and you know that's what they want. That's what they needed. They needed somebody who they could platoon with Eddie. And you know, I, it's tough to have a really strong take about Robbie Grossman. You know, he just kind of is what he is. He's a he's a, a lefty. He's the weaker side of a platoon. That's what he is. You know, you you play him against lefties, and you play Eddie every other time. So, um, I think they you know that's what they wanted. I was interested to see if they maybe would go out and get another name on top of him. Just you know, I do have some concerns about this offense. You know, especially kind of in the middle and the bottom. And I was interested to see if they would maybe go get maybe like an Ian Hap to try to maybe go get a full time player. But you know, obviously they're they're kind of married to. You know, they gave Eddie Rosario a lot of money in the off season, and obviously Marcelo Zuna makes a lot of money. And like it or not, for better or worse, you know these are the guys, and and the team is. Pretty committed to them at this point, and so they're gonna they're kind of kind of ride or die with these guys, and so we'll see how that goes. Um, I do have some concerns about it, but it is what it is, and, and they've they've done it before. They definitely have talent, so you know hopefully it works out the way the Braves hope it will.
1: Yeah, I think this is uh, putting a lot of faith in Eddie Rosario, and I mean he has sh- started to show some signs. He's uh, coming into Thursday is eight for twenty four in his last seven games. Uh, the power's not really been there yet. Um, but he did have a, man, a, you know, a typical Eddie Rosario at bat tonight against Edwin Diaz hit a hundred mile an hour fastball that was up by his eyes and, and landed into right field. You know, you starting to see him, you starting to see him look more like himself, I think. Um, and I, I think they must believe that they could get him back. I thought Ian Happ might've been a, a target. I think he would have fit in well and was controllable beyond this season. But you know he didn't even move. The Cubs didn't uh, chose to hang on to him. Uh, You know the rumor was that the price tag was really high. So you know this was the area that I thought they might kind of kind of might make a splash move here. But uh, you know getting Grossman, I don't think it's the worst thing. In fact, he came up Wednesday batting left handed against the righty and doubled off the wall. You know I think we're going to see. I think you know the situation in Detroit was tough. Um, obviously they were a disappointing club. I think they come in with some high hopes and I think we may see a different Grossman down the stretch, but at least, you know, he gives them an option, another corner outfield option. He can play either corner, uh, add, gives them some depth. And then as a switch hitter, you know, you can pretty much put him in there whenever you want. Although you, you definitely want to play him against the lefties as much as you can. Um, Brace made another move. Well, bringing back Ara Adrianza. Um, I think this one surprised us a little bit uh Robinson Cano was the DFA'd obviously you and I've talked about Cano a lot um and uh you know it's situa- I, I don't I don't have a problem with them trying it out I thought it was worth a try it was a gamble you know if he could have hit but obviously you know he just looked like there there's not much left um Adrianza doesn't he's had a pretty rough season too but he's been hurt a lot of it too but and uh you know he, he came up with some big moments for him last season bring some positional versatility can play all over the place in the infield and and played some outfield for the Braves last year. Um, you know, what do you what do you think about bringing Adrianza back and a uh, pretty minimal cost and then obviously uh saying goodbye to Robinson Cano.
2: Well, I had no problem saying goodbye to Robinson Cano. That's for sure. Um, he you know, like you said it was a pretty much a risk-free gamble for the Braves. They weren't paying basically any of his salary. It was a just a Kind of a you know lottery ticket signing just to see if there was anything left, any one last hurrah for him. Obviously, there wasn't, so they just cut bait. Um, you know that's just kind of how it goes. But you know the Adrianza trade was interesting to me because one of the thing I one of the things I was going to use as a book as a benchmark for. Where they thought Albies was internally was what kind of player they got at second base or what kind of middle infielder, what level player did they acquire? Because I thought if they wouldn't acquired somebody like Drury or, or you know maybe somebody a little bit more of a starter level player, then that would have been an indication that they didn't know if Ozzy would be back or how, you know, how well he would be able to play. If he did come back, you know, I thought if they went and got somebody like Adrianza, who's much more of just a depth piece and a bench piece, then, you know, that would indicate that they're pretty confident that Ozzy's coming back. So it's kind of reading tea leaves a little bit, I guess, but we haven't really heard much on the Ozzy front. Um, I know there was a report today that he, he was looking good. So, um, You know, I think when I when I saw that trade, the first thing that popped in my mind is, okay, they're confident that Ozzy's going to be back because I don't think, you know, I don't think Alex's main plan is to have Orlando Garcia play, you know, all the way through October. I think if that was a reality, then they would have, you know, added somebody maybe a little bit more skilled than Adrianza. Um, But so that was my main takeaway from that trade was, you know, they they're. Apparently pretty confident that Ozzy's going to be back. And if that's the case, then that's probably the way to go. You know, you don't really want to pour a ton of resources into that position. If you, if you think Ozzy's going to be back relatively soon, especially if you don't have a ton of resources, especially in terms of prospects to to move anyways. So, you know, when I saw that trade, that was the first thing that came to my mind that Ozzy's probably going to be back pretty soon.
1: Yeah, they the report today was that uh Ozzy had, had thrown had played catch yesterday and was gonna start ramping up baseball activities uh here pretty soon. Uh still no timetable for a rehab assignment. Uh at this point, you know, I'm thinking the end of the month, maybe you know, maybe even after rosters expand. Uh, but if he's back before that, then, you know, it, it probably comes down to either Adrianza or Heradia. Haradia spot, you know, on the roster. And I think Heradia still got an option if they needed to do that. Um, but you know, getting getting Ozzy back, uh, if you could get him back by the by September, give him a month uh to kind of get get his feet back under him and um you know head into the postseason, I think that's huge. And uh, you know, the bench, I don't think the bench matters quite as much as it did last season just because of the DH. Uh obviously you want a lot of depth, but I mean if you can push Arcia back back into a bench role, which is where I think he's at his best. Um, you know, that's a, that's a pretty, that's a pretty good situation to be in there. Um, uh, you probably, you know, and then even if Adrianza can, uh, can give you anything, um, you know, hopefully you don't need him, but if, if he gives you anything, then, you know, that's a solid situation as well. Um, uh, what do you, I mean, are you pretty comfortable where the bench is at, uh, especially if you get Ozzy back or, you know, if you think, uh I'm sure they're going to be watching the waiver wire over the next month anyway, but, you know, I, I, I feel pretty good about the bench, but De, how do you feel about it?
2: Yeah. I mean, like you said, with the DH, the bench is a lot less important than it used to be. It's kind of a weird for if you obviously, if you're a Braves fan, then you grew up watching the national league and, you know, the bench was a very, very important part of your team. And now it's really not quite honestly. I mean, you know, the most important part of your bench, now is you know in case you have an injury right you need some depth just in case you have an injury but when you add one of the catchers you know Contreras or Darno you know one of the left fielders either Rosario or Grossman then you add you know once Ozzie gets back then you add Arcia back to the bench Adrianza to the bench you know the Braves have definitely had much worse benches than that and and gone into October so I'm not that concerned. You know, if Ozzy's back healthy, then it's going to come down to – the Braves' offense is going to come down to, I think, three things. Is Ronald back to being Ronald? We saw him hit a home run tonight. Great to see. He barreled a couple of fly balls, which was even better to see. Honestly, I didn't really care about the results. But watching him barrel two balls in the air because he's put everything on the ground in the last month, that was huge to see. So is is Ronald going to come back? That's the biggest question. Is he going to look like himself? the last two months of the season, plus October. The second question is Ozuna. Is Ozuna going to be the guy that he was in 2020, or is he going to continue to be the guy that he's been since then? And whichever one of those guys shows up is going to determine a lot with the Braves' offense. And then left field, right? What do you get out of Rosario? What do you get out of Grossman? Those are three pretty big offensive spots for the Braves. That's right field, left field, and DH. So – you know, those three spots are gonna tell us a lot about where the Braves go from here. If this, you know, could be another magical run for them or if it's gonna be kind of a one and done in the postseason. But they know they need those three spots to produce.
1: Just to wrap things up here, uh, you know, trade deadline overall. I I think I tweeted out that, you know, I thought they did a pretty good job filling holes. I got some pushback, obviously. Uh, you know, they didn't bring in that big name player or, uh, you know, make that splashy acquisition. But I think, you know, I think it's worth keeping in perspective that, you know, this was a much different situation than the last year where they just had so many holes to fill. They were a sub-500 team at the trade deadline. And, I mean, they even admitted, I mean, Brian Snicker talked about it the other day, you know, most of the time when you go out and get four guys like that, it doesn't just click the way it did last year for Atlanta. You know, I mean, those, uh, you couldn't have asked for any more out of uh, Jock Peterson and Jorge Soler and, Rosario and Adam Duvall, um, you know they did everything. You know the only only one of that uh group the uh, trade deadline acquisitions that didn't really work out was Richard Rodriguez, and you know he threw some pretty big innings early. uh You know before you really fell off at the end of the season. So, you know I thought the Braves fell, filled holes. I think one of the more uh, things that surprised me was they still didn't part with any of their what I would consider top level prospects. You know when you and I last. Podcasted, I thought Kyle Muller. There was a good chance Kyle Muller would be on the move. I thought there was a chance Vaughn Grissom might be on the move. You know, they were able to fill holes again this year and didn't didn't really give up anybody. You know, Tucker Davidson was about the you know the he had he's got some uh, you know big league experience, pitch some. Uh, has had some success but i think he was probably the you know the best player that they gave up jesse chavez you know he's a veteran 39 year old veteran um the braves have gotten more out of him than anybody else has um it seems so you know to me i thought it was a successful um trade deadline you know time will tell uh were you surprised they didn't have to part with any of their um you know top line guys yeah
2: i was surprised i thought and my surprise is is more tied to some of the teams that did not trade some of their guys. You know, I I'm shocked that Chicago held on to Hap and Contreras. You know, that was weird to me. I, I thought for sure that both of those guys would go, and the fact that neither one went tells you the price was obviously very very high that nobody nobody was interested in meeting it. So, and and those and especially Hap. You know, Hap was kind of the name I was looking at if the Braves were going to make a splash. You know, and obviously, had they done that, they would have given up the guys that you're talking about, right? That would have been, you know, some of their better prospects. And I, I think they would have done that. I don't think, I don't think Alex set out and said, you know, we're not trading these guys. I just don't think that. I don't think that trade materialized. But you know, it's it's good that they didn't have to give up any of those guys. You know, the the Braves farm system is not good. So you know, if you can hold on to those guys, you know, I do think the Braves improved. Iglesias is a real is a real addition. I mean, that's not just a That's not just a rental that you get for nothing. I mean, Iglesias is a legitimate top-line reliever, and you know I know that's not maybe as sexy as going to get an everyday player, but come postseason, it could be just as it could be just as valuable. So that's a real addition, and getting Grossman that does help. I mean, it's not you know it's not getting Juan Soto or Josh Hader like the Padres did, but it's it's better than they had. It's an improvement. Right. I mean, they were running Gilmore Haredi out there, you know, against left handers. And so they improved. And, you know, Jake Rizzi is an improvement. Right. They traded Will Smith for Jake Rizzi I mean, that just a, that alone is a market improvement of what they had. So, you know, was it huge? Was it sexy? No, but they got better and they were already one of the best teams in baseball. So, you know, I'm certainly not going to complain. It looks like they're going to the postseason for. The fifth straight year. So if you're complaining as a brace fan, you probably need to go check on what's going out going on out in, in- you know, what Angels fans are going through or what Rockies fans are going through. Braves fans have it pretty good.
1: Yeah, I thought looking at the division I tweeted out tonight, I'm still surprised that the Mets didn't come out of there with a catcher. I thought Wilson Contreras made a ton of sense for them. Um, Mets are a very good team. They don't have many holes, but catcher is it does seem to be one of them. They've got a couple of defensive first guys, but, you know, I thought Contreras would have fit well for them. Tyler Naquin, of course, they got him before the deadline, actually, and he stung the Braves tonight with a couple of homers so you know it, it's not like they didn't go out and do anything but I, I thought they would make a splash and um i'll be honest i was kind of impressed what the phillies did uh you know i don't know what you think about brandon marsh but getting a uh getting a center fielder for them that they can pencil that out there every day i think that's huge for uh because it, they've seemingly been hunting for a center fielder as long as they've been hunting for uh, bullpen depth and and they also went out and got uh, Noah Syndergaard and then David Robertson, too. So I thought they had a solid deadline. Um, you know, they're in the wild card hunt, too, with this expanded postseason. Uh, so, you know, it should be an interesting uh, ride down the NL East. Uh, you know, what do you think about what the Mets did or didn't do and the Phillies as well?
2: You know, if you remove the Padres, and obviously the Padres just went bananas, right? They just went crazy. They got Soto and Josh Bell and Hayter and Drury. I mean, they just went bananas. But outside of them, you know, nobody really went crazy in the National League. And I think one of the reasons for that is that, you know, there's six playoff spots right now. And there's basically only seven teams competing for those six spots. So, you know, a lot of the teams didn't really see the benefit in going crazy when, you know, a lot of these teams are pretty much already locked up playoff spots. And I think the Braves and the Mets and, you know, the Phillies probably had the biggest incentive to go out and do something crazy because they're the ones that are, you know, chasing the Cardinals, chasing the Padres. And, and, you know, that's kind of for that last spot. But other than that, you know, there's really not a ton of, there's really not a ton of threats. If you're, you know, one of the the better national league teams this year, you know, you're, you're almost certainly going to be in the playoffs. So you know, we really didn't see anybody other than the Padres go crazy. And, you know, that's AJ Preller, right? He, you know, if he gets a chance to go crazy, he does it. So I really wouldn't judge it. You know, you can't really judge everybody based on what the Padres did. And I think everybody got better and that's really kind of the the important thing, especially when you've already got really good teams. You know, the Mets are a good team. I think they're, I think they're a really good team. Actually their pitching is fantastic. Um, The Phillies, you know, without Bryce Harper is still going to be tough. But I think he comes back at the end of August. So, you know, he's not out for the season or anything. But, you know, the Phillies are a good team, too. They've got good pitching. They added Cindergaard. You know, I like that move. Um, So, there really wasn't a huge incentive to go crazy, you know, unless your name was A.J. Preller. And then that was, you know, that was kind of the only one. So,
1: yeah, I agree. I think if you, you know, if obviously if you got the chance to get Soto, you know, that's that's it's exciting. And when you're in the same division as the Dodgers, I think you got to be bold. And that's exactly what the Padres did. Yep. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, well, I think that's a good stopping point here. Um, you know, it's it's going to be interesting. The Braves got a big – there's still four games left in this series. They dropped the first one. They're four and a half out. But, you know, we've seen them. We've, we've seen them counted out many times, a couple of times already this season. And, uh, you know, they're still right there. So I think the important thing to remember is, uh, you know, it's still, still a long way to go. Trade deadline's over. But, you know, we basically still got two months of baseball uh, remaining. A lot of things can happen. A lot of things can change as, uh, as the Braves showed last season. So, um, you know, you got any uh, final thoughts before we get out of here? No,
2: I would like to see the starters, the starting pitching, you know, show up a little bit more against the Mets. I think we've, you know, I tweeted this out, but the Mets pitching is just so, so good. You're not going to score a ton of runs off them. You really have to kind of match their pitching with your pitching. And I think the Braves are, I think the starters have had a couple of rough outings now in a row against the Mets. So I'd love to see the starters kind of come the rest of the series and show up and, and give the offense a chance and, you know, a lot of times against the Mets, you know, you got to win a a three to one, four to two type of game. You know, if you give up six, seven runs, it's going to be hard to win those games, especially because they got Diaz at the back end. He's just so ridiculously good. So, I'd love to see the Braves' starting pitching kind of come out and and really set the tone against. You know, I, I think the I think the Mets' biggest weakness is probably their lineup, and it's a good lineup. Don't get me wrong, but it's it's not as good as their pitching. So, that's. You know what I want to see over the next four days as the Braves starters come out and, and win that matchup.
1: Yeah, that Sunday matchup, uh, potential matchup. I don't know if the Mets have made it official about Degrom yet, but Spencer Strider versus uh, Jacob Degrom. I mean, that's you know if you if you're only going to watch one game this week, that's the one to that's the one to tune in for because uh, there's going to be some there's going to be some serious fastballs thrown in that game. So hope you like Strikers. Yeah, if you like strikeouts, that's going to be the game for you. So, all right, buddy, uh we're going to get out of here. Uh as always, you know, please uh give us a uh rating and review. Uh we got a ton of content coming out. We were all over the trade deadline again, the draft, and it's been a busy few weeks, but now we're settling in for I guess what you would consider the dog days of uh the MLB season, but uh you know, the postseason will be here before you know it, and it's going to be an interesting race uh, in the NL East uh, right down to the end. So, uh, you know, subscribe to Battery Power Podcast and, um, and we'll see you again
0: next week. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work